All right, hello and welcome to episode five in our GKI Khan Academy's panel, coaches panel discussions. Um, on <clears throat> this topic, excuse me, today is dealing with dead balls. And on our panel today, we have Jesse Goldman. Jesse is a college goalkeeper training consultant in our Pittsburgh area. And he's also the owner of Goal Line, which is a strength and performance company designed specifically for goalkeepers. We have Bill Bertner, who's with us today. He is a director of coaching at a local club and involved in those responsibilities is the director of goalkeeping. He's also on the PA West ODP goalkeeper coaching staff. <laughs> and we also have Steve Rarick. Steve is a goalkeeper slash assistant coach with the Slippery Rock University men's soccer program. He's also a DOC of goalkeeping at a local club. Welcome, fellas. Good to be here. How's it going? Good to be here. All right, let's get right at it. Steve, I'm going to go to you first. Talk to me about what you're looking for out of your goalkeepers when it comes to a dead ball scenario. What type of characteristics? What are you looking for them to do? Yeah, so immediately once uh, the referee blows a whistle for that free kick, whether it's um, a corner, indirect free kick, free kick, regardless of the situation, the number one thing that I'm looking for out of my keeper is to be that leader that can immediately step up and really start to organize where he wants his team at. Because, you know, the goalie has to be the coach on the field. He needs to be able to go and, you know, really direct who's marking who, call out, you know, Billy, go mark number five, Joe, go mark six. Um, so that way everyone knows what their responsibility is straight from the get-go. Um, also is being that vocal leader, you know, having a demanding presence, making sure that everyone can hear you. Um, and also just, you know, remaining focused. I see a lot of people switch off during um, specific free kick moments. And the goalie is the one that really needs to make sure everyone stays switched on, knows what their responsibility is, and make sure that there's no confusion whatsoever. Yeah. Jesse, what would you, uh, would you add anything to that? And then if not, what's your first step? Whistle's blown, bang, you're on. What are you doing? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think Steve's head on to just hitting, get, making sure everybody's marked up and you're communicating right away. But yeah, whistle blows. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of this too can happen in the training ground. I mean, for me, if it's a threatening opportunity, let's say within maybe 25 yards, whistle blows, free kick, I always want somebody to just step in front of the ball um, just to kind of make them ask for 10 yards. So that way we can, you know, get a couple more seconds or, you know, 30 seconds just to help mark up a little bit. But you know, the whistle blows, the first thing is, you know, if they're 20 some yards out, where do you, where do you want your guys to stand? You know, where, where are we holding that line? Um, how many do you want in the wall? And I think, you know, I skipped a step, but I think how many we want in the wall is always going to be the first priority. I think once the whistle blows, you should know right away, right. You know, snap of the fingers, whistles blow three, four, whatever, get them in the wall. Um, you know, get everyone in the wall marked up, get your line set. And then, then we start marking from there. But um, you know, like Steve said, that whistle blows, we're communicating right away. We don't stop until we're in a good set position. Coach Bill, give me the specific commands you're looking for your goalkeeper to say during a wall setup. First off, we want them to yell wall so that the uh, field players recognize the fact that that's, that's what we're going to do here. Secondly, number of players in the wall based on where the location of the kick is occurring. You know, if it's outside on the flank, you could probably get away with two or maybe sometimes even one, um, depending on the angle. Uh, of course, as it gets more towards the, the center of the box, we're increasing the numbers in the box. Then 
to Jesse's point, once we make sure that the play is stopped, that's a huge issue. I mean, we don't want to get caught with our pants down as goalkeepers running to our near post, starting to set the wall, and they take the kick, restart quickly, and beat us with a goal. Um, so once we have the identify we need the wall, number of players in the wall, then we're going to take our anchor player, um, which depending on the age might be the outside player or the second player within the wall. Uh, we're communicating with that individual player. Um, I teach my goalkeepers not to use left or right, but just to get the thumb. You know, this way, this way, hold, and then we're ready to go. And then the goalkeeper is going to set themselves um, on their ball line where they want to be based on where the wall is. All right. Yeah. I, I think some of the things that, um, like Jesse, you made a good point that these are some of the things that can happen on the training ground. And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't think they happen on the training ground nearly enough as they should. And I think when they do happen, it's always a response to something that happened in a couple games before. It's never a proactive approach. And I tell goalkeepers all the time, I'm like, when it comes down to setting up a wall and corner kicks, and we're going to get into corner kicks and the specifics of locations on wall setups in a moment, but it's your responsibility. And even though the coach may not have spoken to it or, or, or assigned you that responsibility, everyone's looking at you to take control. And, and not only are you taking control, you know, you need to get the ref involved. And what I mean by that is, and you probably all alluded to it, get 10 yards. So whether that's having someone step in front of the ball and, and kind of wait, you know, the ref wants to get involved. They want to show off that shiny whistle and blow the whistle and say, okay, I'm my, I'm my command and they're going to mark you off. Right? And, and I think you guys, I think the goalkeepers in particular need to know what's happening when the ref's doing that because the game is stopped. You know, and that's when you get to your post and you're lining the wall up. And I, I always like to have, you know, one person on the outside of, the, um, of that line from the post to the ball um, to, to kind of prevent that curve. And the older you get, obviously, the more that curve is going to come into play. Um, but then, you know, your, your number of folks that you want in that wall um, going and taking away that near post side. And then you're on that far side. And, you know, you're still covering the whole goal, but that wall is going to hopefully be that first you know, defensive setup for that near post hit. Um, let's get, let's get right into a specific location. So let's talk about it. The wall is now to your right and to the right. What I mean by that is it's going to be at the corner of the 18 down to the end line. So it's on that far right side. Um, how many people you have in the wall and what's, where's your head going? You said like head on a swivel was something I heard earlier. Um, Jesse, I'm going to go to you if I can with this, walk me through what you're, what you're thinking at that moment. From the second the whistle blows for the kick, right up through after the whistle, uh, the, 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 the kick is taken. Yeah, um, I think from the corner of the 18 down, I would go one or two. Um, I, th I think usually from that area, you're just kind of looking at a, at a cross from it. So I would prefer to have more people in the box to help mark, uh, especially too, if you're on the right side and you can tell that it's a lefty taking the kick. You know, I think right there, you're, you only need one because – you know, you'll have a good read on if he's crossing it or shooting it. So, um, and also for me, I just, I feel more comfortable having more guys in the box, picking up loose balls or just helping Mark than, you know, kind of, and I'd almost rather them try to beat me from the corner of the 18 because I know how hard of an angle it is. Uh, that's just my preference. Um, but, you know, as we get down to the corner, again, I think one or two, depending on kind of where it is, but I think you're just mainly looking at a cross. So if you can cover that near post, just to kind of, take away the shot a little bit and, and play the cross. That's something that, that I would do, at least in my preference. And, and I think too, it also depends on the goalkeeper. If, you know, if he's somebody that 
is confident in the air, you know, we can, or confident shot something, whatever it may be, I think that can also play, play a factor into how many we put in the wall. Bill, talk to me about the, um, you know, Jesse made a point about understanding what foot the, uh, the, the person's taking that kick with left or right and on your right side. What's the importance of that? And, and does, does that impact your starting position? Absolutely. Um, you have to be able to recognize whether that ball coming in is going to be an in-swinger or an out-swinger based on that, the, the person taking the, the free kick. Um, so if the free kick is set up to my, my right as a goalkeeper facing out, if that player out there is a right-footed player, that ball is going to be swinging into me more along the lines of a corner kick. Um, we have to be able to recognize that, uh, especially as they get older, there's going to be more swerve to the ball. If it's on out on the left side, left foot and player, same thing. It's going to be swerving in. Um, the ball's going to get on us quicker. We got to be more ready for it in, in that scenario. How Steve? How dramatic of a starting position location are, are you are you looking at, or are you thinking a goalkeeper might need to consider based on that in swinger versus out swinger for dealing with something that's out wide, as we just discussed? We're still at that same location on the right side of our of our eighteen. Yeah, so um, in my personal preference, it, it's really going to come down to how athletic your goalkeeper is, how confident he is, as Jesse kind of said, you know, in the air versus shot stopping. Also, once you get to the higher levels, you can kind of scout ahead, know what, you know, certain teams' free kick takers are, things of that nature. So that can kind of help you prepare for that as well. Um, you know, based on what you've seen throughout the game, if you can see that, their free kick taker has a really nasty inswinger where he can really get some whip behind that ball. You may want to take one step and kind of cheat towards, you know, that near post. So that way, you know, he doesn't get you near post, but you don't want to overcommit. And I see a lot of young goalies doing this where they go and they just want to stand right on that near post and it gives up that back post, you know, all day if someone can go and actually you know, hit that whipped ball in. But I typically go, it's either one step kind of, off center, left or right, depending on how many people you have on the wall and, you know, what the goalie's confidence levels are. I don't want to see too dramatic of a, of a step either way, but, you know, making sure that they're set as that ball is being struck so that way they can go to the left or to the right and they're not cheating, taking those extra two steps as that player's running up to kick that ball and then they get caught going to the right and, you know, they shoot the ball, the ball over to the left. Mm-hmm. Coach Bill, the ball's now located same side of the field, but just pushed up a little bit more. Now we're talking, it's around 20, 25 yards out on that right side. Um, how many people are in your wall? And then what's your concern regarding the distance between like a high line, holding a high line versus letting people kind of roam inside your 18? Why is it important to, to hold the high line in a situation like that? Well, it's going to your, your first question. Um, a free kick at that area, I'm probably going to instruct my goalkeeper to put three in the, box, three in the wall. Um, as far as the distance goes, if it's beyond that range where a shooter can threaten us at that distance, more than likely now we have to play it as a, a lofted ball over the top of our back line. So if we can get our back line communicating and, and up a little bit higher, we can protect that space behind them a little bit easier with less chaos. So that ball comes over the top. Um, that's a, it's, it's a really good coaching session to do with your back line to make sure too that, that they know how to play those balls and to be able to be moving as the attacking players are moving. You don't want to get 
caught flat-footed in a scenario like that as a defender. Um, and also the communication from the goalkeeper at that point becomes essential. Yeah, I think we, uh, in regards to what Coach Bill was saying, I think he was getting into the communication. Bill, rewind like 15 seconds. Go right ahead. Okay. Essential, the communication is with the uh, goalkeeper at that point and making sure that they, if they're going to come out for that ball, that they're yelling because you have uh, attacking players as well as your defending players with their focus on the ball and not where they're running. So you, you're doing that for your own protection as well as theirs. Coach Steve, you're dealing with the same situation. What's your, what's your guidance on the number of people in the wall? And, and when do you put X amount of people in a wall based on the location of, the, of where that penalty is? Do you have a certain guideline or a system that you speak to your goalkeepers and your back line about? Yeah, so typically um, if that shot is being taken around 30 yards out or further, um, I have enough faith in my goalkeeper and my goalies have enough confidence in themselves to where if someone does decide to try and take a shot on goal from 30 yards out, regardless of where it is on the frame, my goalies and myself included are, are confident in their ability to go and, and make that save. Um, so really just putting one in front, if any, uh, depending on where that's at, to just go and maybe play a little bit of a mind game with whoever's taking the free kick. Just give them something to worry about in front of them. Um, but then as you're kind of going in, once you hit that 25, 20-yard mark, that's when you're really going to want to start to emphasize the numbers. The closer you get to the middle, the more people you're going to want to put in. Uh, I typically never have them put any more than five in a wall, regardless of the location, if it's outside of the 18. So with five people, you can pretty much cover that half of the goal pretty handedly. Dead center, Bill, direct kick, 20 yards out. Are you putting five in that wall, like Coach Steve said, or are you putting more in that wall? Um, I'm probably going to stick with five. I, I coach our goalkeepers usually most times that's the max that we'll put in a wall is five. Um, Dead center does make things a little bit interesting for the goalkeeper. I mean, if it's dead center, then you, you can set the wall towards either your strong side or your weak, you know, based on where, for example, if you're a goalkeeper who feels more confident going to their left, maybe you set that wall more to take away the right half of, of the goal when, when setting up dead center. Mm -hmm. Coach Jesse, ball's now inside the 18. Let's call it around the PK spot, indirect kick. How many people are in your wall? I mean, that's a tough one. I, you know, I still think like you want to put five or six kind of on one side. Um, for me, I would also too, if you're talking right at the 12, you know, I think a lot of times teams will just tap it and have somebody shoot it. So for me, I'm coming up and cheating with the wall or like in line with the wall. So as they touch it, you know, I'm going forward too and just kind of coming out and spreading and trying to kind of just diving at their feet, just making a 1v1 save rather than, you know, just kind of sitting back and letting the wall run. And maybe because that way I think you're kind of looking at a deflection uh, if they're just running at it. So uh, for me, you know, I'd rather put it into my own hands and just kind of come out and take it like a 1v1 and try to make a smother save. Uh, it also, I feel like, puts more pressure on the attacker. But again, the five or six kind of taking one side from the goal and, you know, you could even have a couple of defenders sneak in behind you as you go too, just to try to clear it off the line. But those are, those are always tricky situations. Yeah. 
Absolutely right. And I think with me, I'm, I'm very defensive in, in these settings. And, and I'm more of the case of, you know, let's all hands on deck. You know, we're dead right. center. We're an indirect kick. You know, this is a crucial moment in the game. I'm not worried about my number nine up top right now. I'm not worried about a breakout. You know, let's bring right. everyone back. Um, if it's inside of 10 yards, so meaning you, you're on your goal line, I want to talk about that because I think that that happens a lot in the youth game. Um, whether it's a pass back to the goal, you can go and picks it up, or whether it's just an indirect kick inside the box. Um, I see a lot of kids at the academy level stressing about that and little um, awareness, tactical awareness to how to set that up. Uh, Coach Jesse, I'm going to stay with you. What do you, where are you, if that's, let's say it's seven yards out, right outside the six, and, you know, slight angle, you know, let's, let's move over to the left side of the goal now, and you're on. Like, how many, how many people are you putting in your wall? Do you have two walls? What I mean by that is you have people at the front post and a few at the back post now, and you're, how are you, how are you talking to that? What are, your, what are you looking for your goalkeeper to say to your defenders? How are you looking for your defenders to line up? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to cover all the posts for, or you got to cover at least the, the, the closest post to it. So if you're on the left side, you got to cover that post. And then you just make your wall that way. Um, and then, yeah, I think you do have a couple couple more people. Maybe if you have five in that first wall, maybe put two or three, maybe two behind you, kind of covering that back post. And the other three kind of in just near that ball area to help mark other other attackers. But, um, you know, I think it's kind of like a crapshoot when that, when that happens, right? Right as they tap it, everyone's just charging towards the ball. Um, you know, I would prefer for that first person to that ball. And just, again, like I mentioned before, just diving at their feet or making, trying to do some type of K save something just to put more pressure on them. Um, but, you know, for me, I think it's just a crapshoot and it's going to be the first one to the ball and hopefully we can get there and get there first. Yeah. Coach Steve, what are you thinking? You do you change anything up or are you staying with what Jesse's talking about? Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of going to stick with what Jesse's saying. I agree with a lot of the points that he's made. Um, one adjustment that, you know, I I would emphasize is having that goalkeeper, you know, maybe try and cheat that half step, that extra step in front of the wall. So that way, you know, like the, the point that Jesse was alluding to, he can be that first one that gets out in front of him. He doesn't have to worry about trying to fight through his own players to get to that ball. Um, and then his field players can kind of close down the space behind him. Now, I think Jesse hit, hit the uh, nail right on the head with that one. Coach Bill, let's go to goal. Let's go to corner kicks. What are you looking for from a setup perspective? Do you have a specific style? Do you speak to your goalkeepers about what they're comfortable with? Um, meaning people on the post, zone versus man. What's your strategy with that? You know, that's that's it's interesting because when it comes to corner kicks, I see more variation in philosophy amongst coaches than than any of the other set positions. Um, me personally. Um, with the older group, I kind of leave it up to my goalkeepers. If, if they feel more confident and comfortable with having someone on the front post or on the back post, that's fine. Um, my personal coaching philosophy when I'm coaching the older teams, I like to usually defend more in a zonal where I'll put my stronger defenders out on the six, the front post and the back post. Um, and then that way, not having players on the post affords our goalkeeper a lot of benefit for those second ball scenarios. Um, if you can go ahead and get a quick clearance and keep and trap an attacking player behind those those defenders, and then they're on an offside position. Um, for the younger kids, and I wanted to go back to a point you made earlier about just uh, with the younger younger players in small sided games, the recognition of getting on a on a 
close set piece, getting everybody back behind the ball and just facing out in a proper position. And when the ball is cleared, how we want to encourage them to reset that line. I mean, that's an essential job from the goalkeeper here in a corner kick or any free kick situation. When that ball is moving around in the box in a dangerous position and our defender is able to clear it out, it is incumbent upon the goalkeeper to get his back line up, to get that back line up so we can reset and create some space back behind us. Continue with that. Why are we creating space? Why are we pushing everyone up? Real quickly, go. Oh, mainly because you're trying to buy yourself more time and, and ability to, to play behind there. You, by resetting that line, um, one, you can either trap the attacking players behind. So if the ball comes back through, they're in an offside position. Um, but secondly, it just gets, eliminates the traffic. Um, as a goalkeeper, I'd rather have those, that the point of confrontation now 15, 20 yards in front of me rather than in my lap. Yeah, I, yeah, right on. Well said. Coach Steve, go back to, let's go back to corner kicks. Talk to me about what you're telling your goalkeepers to do regarding posts. Do you have, do you like people on the post from your defense or a goalkeeper standpoint? Are you zone? Are you man to man? What are you telling your goalkeepers? Yeah, so what um, I'm kind of a, a big fan of having, you know, kind of half and half almost, whereas you have your your best ball winners, they can go and play kind of more of a, a zone, or if the other team has someone who's really good in the air, you can man mark them with someone that's on your team that's really good in the air. Um, but as far as posts, if we have the extra personnel, then why not? You can throw them on the post, you know, just in case there's that you know, the first time glancing header where they only either flick it across goal to the back post or, um, you know, have that bullet header near post again, you at least kind of have someone there. I know for me personally, that saved me a couple times where, you know, there's a really good header in the air and, you know, my post guy, you know, sometimes they turn out to be your best friend sitting on that post. Sometimes just the post in general uh, can be your best friend. Um, but for me, the first one to go, if we do need to go and get more people off the posts and, and into play, you take your back post off first. I have enough confidence in, um, in my goalies to where they can backtrack, they can get that back post uh, if it goes over their head. And if both need to go, then that goalie, I typically have them take that one extra step forward. Um, so that way he can cover that near post a little bit better uh, just in case they do just have that driven ball in near post. I'm still here, Eric. Sorry, I just – my video. Yeah. just want to make sure that – So what, it's, it's interesting because Bill said it earlier. There are so many variations lately in regards to how to properly align your defensive unit with a, um, with a corner kick. You look, at, uh, you look at the likes of, let's say – um, Liverpool like I, I watched them and how they set up they put no one on either post and they set themselves up almost in like a triangle like a straight line or and, and then it's just they just have numbers and a zone and everyone can move forward and that back post is open for their goalkeeper to take that back service and it's just interesting because then you'll go and you watch another team play and you're you're seeing two guys on each post or one guy in each post excuse me and, and then everyone's man marked. So it, it really comes down to coaching philosophy and, and what you think is the best for, for your team. So there's no right answer to that. At the college level, I always ask my goalkeepers, what, what's your preference and why? I just want to hear their reasoning. You know, I'm not going to 
you know, they don't have the, 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 all the say, you know, they don't, but at the same time, I want their inputs. I want them comfortable. And if they can be comfortable with what they're doing and how they're aligning and setting up, well, then I, I think we're okay. Um, I personally like to have people on the back post. Again, it's one of the, especially in the ages of like 12 to like 16, I feel that in that age group, balls are thumped into the box at a much more um, frequent rate on a corner kick than in the other age groups. The younger age groups, they probably can't reach the goal, truthfully, with their, with their service. So you might see them um, you know, playing a little bit ball, shorter balls or balls on the ground. And then once you get to the 17, 18, you know, you're a little bit more um, – probably they look to play a little shorter ball every once in a while, right? But that 12 to 15-year age group, they're just dumping that ball in there. And one of the things I always speak to my goalkeepers is the communicate, the instant communication after, excuse me, after a ball has been served or after a corner kick has been taken. Coach Bill, what do you say to your goalkeepers about the immediate communication when a ball has been put into the box off a corner kick? Um, two commands. It's either keeper or away. If that ball is, is in R6, if it's served there, you have to take command and it's essential. You have to give some type of communication. Being silent, I tell my older goalkeepers, is not an option on those corner kicks. Um, if usually it's the six-yard um, line that I'm using as the reference, anything there or in is the goalkeeper's responsibility. Um, anything outside of that, you're giving an away command and making sure you're resetting so you're on your ball line to be able to deal with a potential shot. Um, I wanted to go back to Eric with something you were just you were talking about with the various age groups. Uh, with the academy level, you're right. I mean, at that age, they're not even allowed to head the ball. So why are we going to try to get them to serve corner kicks in the box? Uh, at that point, they should be looking for more of a possession defense, uh, a short ball. And then whenever they get up to that intermediate group, uh, the U12, the U13 age range, making sure if you're going to put players on your front or back post, make sure they're positioned correctly. How many times do you see kids, if they're told to go defend the front post, they're facing out. They're not. The idea with putting players on the post is to make your goal behind you smaller. So that's something, too, that it's, I think, a coaching point that gets lost a little bit with our, with our field players on how you need to defend a corner kick if you are placed on a post. Steve, continue with what Coach Bill was just talking about. How do you – if you have people on both posts – what are you telling them is their responsibility and how are they positioned? Yeah. So uh, if I have people on both posts, the, their main job is to stay on that post until that ball gets cleared out. I don't want them an arm's length away from the post where there's that big, you know, body space uh, between them and the post. I want them on that post. I want them hugging that post. So that way, if that ball does get played to them, you know, their hand can be behind their back and then it's just body post. There's not that gap that ball can squeeze in between. Um, but then once that ball is cleared, you know, that first time I want them stepping up with everybody else, much to the point that Bill was talking about earlier of creating that space and behind it. If they stay on that post, then there is no offside. If they thump that ball right back in, they need to be able to get up quickly and they need to be able to get back up with that line. The second they see that ball is cleared. So that way it affords that space in between. It gives the goalie that extra bit of time. So that way, you know, he can reset and then kind of go from there. Yeah, I always tell my, my field players, um, if you're at the near post, 
to see Coach D's point. Let's say I'm, we're facing here and the post is on my right. You're, you're literally around holding that post with like some posts behind me, but nothing gets between you, nothing. And then as that ball is served, I always tell them, face the ball with your hips. So as that ball is served, they're almost rotating on the post and almost coming, instead of facing the ball in the corner, now they're in the goal almost sometimes, their hips facing the ball, because it's easier to go to a ball to one touch it out when you're facing straight at it. Now with the back post, I have a different strategy than, than what you just mentioned. I like my back post person, when it starts, again, to be facing the corner that it's being taken from. So there, if it's, again, if it's out here, and my near post is, I want to, I'm going to be almost standing in the goal. And the reason that person on the back post is standing in the goal, holding the, holding the post here in the fields that way, because I can now see, I have a clear line to see when that ball's getting struck, because I'm looking through the goal. No one's in the goal. Goalkeeper's off the line, maybe a yard, maybe two. The near post is on the post going out. I'm looking directly through the side net of the near post, looking at when the ball struck. Now, when that ball is struck, same advice. Follow the ball with your hips. So I'm starting in the goal, but as that ball is coming into the box, I'm, I'm, ro I'm rotating and my hips are always facing the ball. You're going to be on that line facing out when that ball is inside the six. Because the more you can see, the more you get the visual cue as to when it's coming. What is a right in swinger? Is it an out swinger? Because if it's an in swinger, that ball is going to could come back post you and you got you to defend that if the goalkeeper's yelling away and it goes over their head. Um, so I, I, that's my strategy on the, the two posts. I, I think that they always should be there. I really do. I'm, I'm a little over defensive, a little old school on that one. Um, I'm okay with that too, because again, if they're just dumping the ball in the box, you know, you, you want all hands on deck. That's a, that's a critical moment. Ball's going to get put inside your 18 dead center. Just seems like a crucial moment of a game, especially at a younger age group. Um, the other thing Steve mentioned was in regards to when they push up, I make them stay on the post until the goalkeeper commands Post out. I mean, they're screaming it. Post out. Because sometimes the ball will get played in. Ball's bouncing around. I don't want them leaving. You know what I mean? Because I'll just sometimes a ball will just be played out to a post. And I, I know they're there. And I can trust they're there. They can one touch it out um, if I can't get it. So I, I, they need to stay there. And the goalkeeper needs to know that they're there. Because I've had a goal scored on me where a ball comes put in the box. My near post creeped out. And that little header, soft header to that near post. And I'm thinking my guy's still in the, on the post. I kind of let it go, and it just slowly goes into the corner. And it was a very frustrating – never happened again. <laughs> but at the same time, it did happen. So I think that communication, that understanding as to how to set up, when to set up, and when to get out and push everyone out, to Coach Bill's point about keeping that high line and getting people out to reset is important. And I think goalkeepers need to take that responsibility very seriously because I don't feel it's coached enough about that responsibility. Um, and I also think that – Coaches have a good idea or a good, it's a good time to also talk to the team. You need to listen and you need to almost give that goalkeeper the responsibility in front of a team during a training session. Everyone, here's the person you're listening to. And I think when that's said, it goes a long way with the organization of your corner kicks. And in addition to corner kicks, set pieces, as we've already talked about. I want to get into penalties. Bill, what's your philosophy on penalties at the younger age groups then on? And then as you get older, do you change your philosophy around how goalkeepers deal with penalties? Uh, you know, this is one area I don't change philosophy. Go I, I'm starting to tell my kids as young as U9 and U10, the, the mental aspect of a penalty kick, all the pressures on the striker. You show confidence from the minute that they award that penalty to the minute it, it's either 
in your goal, um, make the save or it's over the crossbar because they just piked it. Um, I have a, a coaching friend. She, she uh, coached at a Division I, or she, I'm sorry, she played goalkeeper for a Division I college. Her claim to fame is she was eight for eight in her college career stopping penalty shots, either because most of the times because she just psyched out the striker. Um, from the minute that penalty is awarded, the pressure's all on the striker. I can't, I can't stress that enough. Um, I think it's what, an 80% or at least high 70% conversion rate on penalty kicks, PKs. So if they're expected to make it, if you're putting some additional pressure on them by exuding confidence, it's only going to get into their head more. Jesse, as a goalkeeper, I, we guys, we have like three minutes, so we're going to go quick, pretty quickly here. So be brief. Jesse, are you, are there any, what mind games do you play? Do you, what are the, what are the first thing you're looking at as a goalkeeper when a penalty is, is assigned? Um, are you looking at the opposition? Are you looking at their eyes? Are you watching their approach to the ball when they're shooting? Do you go for that little stroll, fix your gloves, tie your shoes? What are you doing? I mean, look, the, the, the first thing is just like Bill said, it's just going to be confidence, right? I, for me, I love penalties. I love that pressure. I love the feeling. I love being in the spotlight, right? So for me, you know, penalties were awesome. Like I, I, I brought on the idea of a penalty. I got so excited when a penalty happened in the game. But that's just me. Now, I think the approach will say a lot. I think the hips will say a lot. But, um, you know, I think you can start to tell us, um, at least at the younger levels, at the older levels, it gets a little more complicated. But um, if they kind of have an arcing run, they might turn their hips at the last second to go across their body. Um, if they're running more straight onto the ball, then, you know, you could see if their hips, if they're going to open up at the last second. So um, it all just depends. And, and another thing that helped me a lot, too, uh, was training. Every, every, you know, I don't know how many teams do this, but every, every practice before a match, our whole team took penalties. So, you know, twice a week, I'm getting maybe 10 to 15 penalties. And what, and you know, they're the same guys, but, you know, they, it helped them too, because then they got to switch up their penalties. So it was just practice. And, you know, the more I did it, the, the more, the, the better I got at it. Well, we're going to get right in the wrap up. Steve, if you want to include stuff on penalties in your wrap up, I want you to do so, please. But we all have 30 seconds to, uh, to conclude. Steve, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, so as far as penalties go, I think the, those two guys covered it. Um, but, you know, one of the, the big topics on, um, on these set pieces is making sure that you read that ball flight as it's coming in before you make that judgment. A lot of times you see the, the keeper away uh, because they think they can get to it because they want to go out and try and claim it before they actually see where that ball flight's going or anything like that. So you want to make that decision first and then move after. That's one thing that I always stress with my keepers is make sure that if you do call keeper, you have to get there. That's rule number one. If you're calling keeper, you have to get there. And then if you call away, then you back off onto your line and you set for that shot and rely on your defenders to go and get that ball out for you. Yeah. I think a lot of people, when they say away, they stay there in that no man's land. They're not, they're not back setting to that line to get the most out of their movements. I, that's a great point. Go Jesse, 20 seconds, go. Yeah, um, just touching on what Steve said. Uh, whether your decision is keeper or away, just stick with it. Um, you know, I will just touch a little bit on Steve. Just if I'm saying keeper, maybe you don't have to get there, but at least just be confident. And you called keeper, you're going for it. You know, I think uh, our coaches should tell our backs, even if he's sitting keeper, playing like he's going to miss it, just so they're ready and they're not standing still with you know feeding concrete. Fair, Coach Bill. Uh, the point I just want to make in closing is is to the coaches. Um, coaches should be practicing set pieces in their training sessions. The point Eric made earlier about usually it is coached after a, a negative result. 
is so true. And it's required because you need to have the goalkeeper and the rest of the team involved. You need to have the back line. You need to have the midfielders. And who do you want in the wall? What specific players? You don't want to put your best um, center back in a wall. You usually want them to be free to be able to cover. So that stuff is essential to be coached within training sessions. I, I love that. I really do, especially at the younger ages. And I know coaches don't want to waste, waste time coaching this topic. Um, especially at the academy level when it's all technical, 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 we're not at the tactical piece yet. It's, it's always a part of the game. It's always going to happen, especially at the younger ages. And, and it, it, the more you can get into the communication, you know, be specific, you know, wall five, that means wall and give me five guys. Right. And then left, right. I love the pointing and the visual gestures. That's fantastic. And be loud, be loud. Cause no, everyone needs to listen to you. Once that wall set up, then start scanning the field, looking for specific marks or that specific zone coverage, um, and, and you'll be fine. And also when that's out there, keep that high line so you have space to come out and take that, that cross. But, uh, guys, well done. Everyone else, I'll see you all in the next episode. Boys, thanks for your time today. Appreciate it, fellas. Thank you. Thanks.